Hey, and welcome to the Risen Nation Church podcast. Our goal and desire here at Risen Nation Church is to prepare a place for God's presence with God's people. If you'd like more information on upcoming events or how to connect and even partner with us, you can visit risennation.org for more information. We hope you enjoy today's message. You know, I had a message that I felt like I was supposed to bring, but then I woke up this morning and and uh, as I was just kind of worshiping the Lord, he brought me back to the ministry of reconciliation and why that's so important, how that transformed who I am. Uh, they, you gave me some kind words, Joey, as a pastor, but I used to be a pastor that didn't want to be around people. I was a pastor that made jokes. You know, I, it'd be great to pastor if it wasn't for the people. And, and we laugh and it's funny, but the problem was I was decayed inside. And, and I was going down a dangerous path of being called to lead God, God's church, but not actually doing it. And so my testimony is kind of crazy. Um, uh, I love it because William always talks about, I, I listen to William too, so I can get some good preaching material. But um, <laughs> William always talks about that person that's been called to the nations. And I don't know if you're that person, but when he says it, I'm like, dude, that's me. Like, you get the prophetic going, like there's going to be a prophet that's going to be like, you, the short guy with the, with the crazy hair, you, you, yeah, the ugly one, yeah, not, yeah, that, come here, you're called to the nations, and I would get those words, and, and it's interesting because I would see God's gift amazingly in me, as far as preaching and communicating the gospel, like, like people are like, whoa, that dude, like, like there's something going on in his life, and so when the opportunity came to be a pastor and a pastor at my grandfather's church. My grandfather had founded the church in 76. 2010, I'm coming in to pastor this church. I'm thinking in my mind, I'm just going to preach. My gift's going to be on display. People are going to show up. Well, guess what happened? Not that, yeah? Not that at all. And, and I'd preach every Sunday, put my gift out there. It became more performance, like I was hoping that people would be going like, my God! Yeah, yeah never mind. <laughs> Yet we continued to struggle. We get to about 100 people, and, and I was like, praise God, because my grandfather would tell me, he's, he's, he's an old school pastor, and he tells it like it is. He said, if you can't get 100 people, probably not called to be a pastor. So I'm like, praise God, we got to the 100 number. Like, we count pregnant women twice. That's what, you know. <laughs> Come on, I believe in life at the womb. Come on now. So sometimes they're a little bigger. You're like, that's twins. Come on, that's three. <laughs> Just kidding. They're not here. They won't hear that joke. So... Um, but, but I'm going down this, this path, we, it's like a hundred, but I'm like, God, you called me to the nations, you've, you've, you've said big things over me, and yet nothing, nothing's happening, we're just kind of stagnant, and, and, man, 2000, 2010, I come in, December, was 11, 12, 13, 14, just like nothing, and I'm like, God, what, why aren't you working in my life, like, where are you at? And I remember in 2015, it was an interesting year because I had finally finished seminary. I'm like, God's finally going to make something work. I don't have to write crazy papers every quarter. Like, he's going to do so. He's going to break forth. And I even got a word. Like, we have a prophet that comes to our church, and he's been instrumental in prophesying on my life. And he's like, I speak this over you. I'm like, Jesus. You ever got one of those words? And you're like, oh, Jesus. Oh. Right? And nothing happens. 
stoned that dude, right? Anyway, so, so like I'm here and 2015 goes and hope deferred makes the heart sick. And see, now some of the sins that, I, you know, I, I struggle with, but not really struggle with, I could confess them and, and walk away from it. Now those sins got a little bit more of a bind on me. I'm confessing it, but it ain't going nowhere. It's becoming an, an addiction. It's, it's, it's gripping my heart. And I'm like, God, what, what's going on? And, and when sin grips your heart, what happens? You lose passion. You're going through the motions and you're singing the song, but it don't... It don't touch the heart like it should, and you're looking at the numbers. They're not growing. In fact, sometimes they're dipping, and, and, and it's like less than 100, and you're like, now you're questioning your calling. I'm like, God, what's, what's going on here? And I remember it was, it was the end of 2015. I was at my lowest of low. Now, I've had, uh, I've had many kind of rededication moments and, and heart moments, so this is, this is the most recent. And in 2015, I remember getting to the end of it and saying, I cannot have another year like this. And I began to seek the Lord. I began to be, be passionate about it. And I, it I'm going to open it up and tell you what seeking the Lord meant. And, and please don't laugh at me because it it's pretty pathetic. Uh, but I, was, I simply took Mondays and I fasted before the Lord. And I began to seek Him. Now, some of y'all, y'all probably go on 40-day fast or whatever, but I grew up in a culture, my, my family would drop me off at Golden Corral and say, we'll be back in three hours, fill up. So, and, and I'm short, and my grandfather would always look at me and like, let me feed him some more so he can grow, right? But I began to seek the Lord, and with my fishes and lows, my, my pitiful devotion of just fasting a Monday, he showed up. He began to speak to me. He began to talk to me. And see, it was, it was interesting because when I began to preach, I, before that, there, there was a rededication moment. And I, I, my grandfather, like, he's Holy Ghost. And he would talk from the front about the crazy miracles that he saw. Like, crazy miracles. I'm not going to go through them. And, and then my father who was an evangelist to the Philippines, would, he didn't necessarily talk about them all, but I would hear about all his stories of crazy miracles. And so when I first rededicated my life in 2001, I began to seek the Lord. I've been, I was like, let me pray for some people. I want to see like a miracle. I want to see somebody get healed. And so I prayed for a couple of sick people and nothing happened. And so when ministry happened for me in 2010, I'd kind of I'd walked away from the supernatural and, and, I, and I simply said, well, you know, my grandfather got it, my father got it, but the healing bug skipped over my generation, just completely passed me. But then I started watching these films by Darren Wilson. And it's like some Holy Ghost films, and they were praying for people in public places, and the miraculous was happening. And it got me intrigued. And as I was seeking the Lord, the Lord was putting me in position because when you seek him, you get hungry. And he fills the hunger. Y'all okay? I'm going to read a scripture. I'll make it more pastoral. My wife actually told me, because I, I preached at the nest way back in the day. I don't know if y'all know about the nest. And she watched it online. She said, could you just give him a sermon with some points? You do that way better than just talking for a while. Oh, well, baby, I'm sorry. I'm going to just talk. <laughs> but but with, this, with this testimony, you got to hear it, is that I'd walked away from the supernatural, but when, when I started to see this, 
this healing happened. I said, whoa. And, and then there was this guy with dreadlocks in one of his, I don't know who, if you know if he is, a guy named Todd White. Yeah, crazy. And, and I'm watching him. And so my wife actually gets hooked up kind of with this ministry, at least YouTube, Facebook, before I even do. And she's like, dude, you got to hear his testimony. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I'm a pastor, man. I listen to a lot of people preach, right? And I'm like, sure, okay, yeah, whatever. But then I, one Wednesday night, I'd finished I'd finish, uh, the sermon Wednesday. I came home. I'm hungry. I still want some more word. And there's, there's a broadcast of Todd White going on. And I'm like, boom, I want to hear this. And he began to share his testimony. And it, and it resonated. I don't know if you know much about him, but what resonated with me is he said, I, I, I prayed for some people and nothing happened immediately. And it took nine months of praying for like ten people a day. I may be messing it up, but he can, he can forgive me later. But, but praying for Tim. And then finally there was a breakthrough. And it's just like an epiphany hit me in that moment. I haven't prayed for enough I begin to get hungry. And Jesus began to answer my prayer. And even, so there's that part, but then there's this other part where God began to work on my heart to love people. Yeah, don't tell me you love God if you can't love your brother, right? And not just the good looking ones, like, okay, let's read a scripture on that note. So this is what the Lord, come on, brother. You're making me feel at home. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Jesus began to work in my heart. I got to meet Will at the Dominican Republic trip. And uh, man, I loved his heart, man. I was like, dude, he's awesome. We invited him to our church. The Holy Spirit showed up. Y'all like, I already know all that, right? You are in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter? There's a lot of page turning. Come on now. It's in the New Testament. (laughs) Next to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 5, verse 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. (laughs) That's so good. And if we are sound mind, it is for you. That means some of y'all crazy people for Jesus, you do need to tone it down when you're out there a little bit, all right? Verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died... For all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. That could preach in itself. I'm probably going to talk about that a little bit. You're going to die, right? But for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, with all that written, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm new. Come on. Even if you're older, you're still newer. Verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled. 
us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what is that, Paul? I'm glad you would ask. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing, fancy word for counting, their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. When I got a hold of this, it completely transformed my life. And what am I talking about? I've, I've heard my whole life that Jesus Christ came and died for me because I was a sinner. But that's only half the story. See, there's another half of why he died. He died to reveal value. That, that there is potential, God-given potential inside of each and every one of you. And that the removal of sin by Jesus causes you to be a son and daughter of God. Y'all okay with that? Like, like that, just that simple message of... Hold on, I'm losing some of you. Let me make it simple. I'm a pastor, so sometimes I just got to make it simple. You ever seen one of like Chip Joanna, like Flipper Flop or one of those? Like, and, and what do they do in those shows? They take a house that, that's undervalued and they see something in it that others can't see. They're like, if I just put a backsplash in that, I can take that and I can sell it for a profit. Well, well God gave you more than a backsplash. It was called His Holy Spirit. But, but here's the thing. God was willing to pay boardwalk prices for a house that looked like it was on Baltic Ave. See, the world sees you from the flesh and the exterior. But God says, I see some potential. If I can just clean them off, if I can just give them the right identity, then they can be sons and daughters. They can rock this world for Jesus. Do you get that? Because that simple shift in my mentality, a shift from going, oh, I'm just a sinner. I'm just going to barely make it in. I love Jesus, my friends. I love Jesus. But the shift to understanding of what God had created me to be, that allowed me to walk in the ministry of reconciliation. Can I get loud here? Is that okay? Body did. So... So this ministry of reconciliation now shifts how we see things. See, because when we're not reconciled to the Father, we see ourselves through the broken lens. But when we become reconciled, we see ourselves as whole. And now we have the ability to see others as whole. And it's in that place that true love, true purpose... True destiny is found. So now God has given me this ministry of reconciliation. And I'm going out praying for people. i got some crazy testimonies there. But uh, they told me I only have seven hours. So um, you always look around to see the person like, what did you bring me to, right? But I remember, let me just tell you a couple of stories of how this ministry of reconciliation changed how I view life. I'm in Randall's. I don't know if y'all have a Randall's. It's a grocery store. I'm in Randall's. I'm singing in produce because I love Jesus. Right? I don't know what song I'm singing. No longer a slave to fear. Right? Y'all like that one? I love that one. It always works at outreach ministry. But, but... So I'm just singing to Jesus. I'm just loving him. I'm in produce. And I see another woman there. And 
She's got like one of those band type t-shirts on, a little bit older, kind of in her 50s. And she looks at me, she says, oh, you like to sing? And I said, yeah, I love to sing to Jesus, right? I'm just smiling, beaming. And then that's when the Lord began to speak to me, to me, about her. And she began to say how she played. And, and, and I said, yeah, oh, that's amazing. I said, I'm hearing right now that the Lord loves it when you play. And she's taken back by it. She's like, oh, oh okay. Well, she goes away. I, I don't, you know, I get my produce and some other things at Randall's. Because it was no longer about the milk for me, right? Randall's used to be about the milk. It was about getting in, not getting seen. So nobody bothers me. Let me get my milk. Let me go home. Let me, let, let me, I've already counseled for the day. I've already punched the clock as a pastor. I've already dealt with enough people today, right? It, that, that whole mentality is out now. And I'm just loving people. And it's fun. What's crazy about that person, her name's Tina, is that Tina, Tina from that place is going to go home and she's like, what do you mean, Lord, you love it when I play? Because I'm only playing in the bars right now. Uh oh, am I kicking some religious demons up on it? And so she's, she's struggling with this now because she's like, I, I only play in bar scenes and I only play bar music. How do you love it when I play bass, Jesus? And it began to mess with her heart. Why is it messing with her heart? Because Jesus sees value. Jesus doesn't see sinner. He sees the potential. He sees future daughter in the kingdom of God. And he's looking for a person here that will be more, more uh, in tune with just getting milk, with, with touching people around them. So she shows up at our church with bass in hand, ready to play. Now, hold on. We, we can't do that, right? Because I'm a church kid, right? I, your grandfather, pastor, right? A church kid, right? You got to get cleaned up first. You got you to get all the sin off you first. And, and once you're going through the sanctification process, then, you know, and you pay your tithes and all that, right? Then you can play in the band. I'm sorry. I'm a pastor. Just being real. So... What's crazy, though, is either I'm prophetic or I'm pathetic. And either I heard God or I didn't. But he said he loved it when she played. So we got her up there, bar hat and all, man. And she looked like she came out the bar, right? Tina, if you're watching, I do love you. You know that. And then Tina's life. Tina's life who had struggles and bondage. I don't want to mention it all because she may actually watch this later. Struggles in bondage starts to get delivered out of all of that stuff. And the offense and the abuse she had to deal with. And God healing her heart through all of that. And she's coming to me and she's telling me how she's being like Jesus to other people. Oh, Pastor, you gotta hear, you gotta hear, because she mows yards. She mows yards. And I, I went to the old lady's house and she didn't have any money. I just mowed a yard. I just wanted to be Jesus to her. Come on, Tina. Come on. I'm getting a haircut. Here's another story about that. I'm getting a haircut uh, from one of our church members. She cuts my hair. And her uh, quasi-son-in-law, boyfriend, something like that, uh, walks in. Now, I know a little bit from the natural about his life. Because I'm in Galveston, small city. I pastor. I love people, right? And, and I know some of his gang-banging lifestyle. His dope-dealing lifestyle. Yet, when I'm getting a haircut, I ask the Lord, Lord, what do you see? Right, Ministry of Reconciliation. 
Because God doesn't see a gangbanger. When I drop the mic, that's to get the amen out, right? So so I, I, I say, Lord, what do you see? Tell him that I've called him to be a leader. Now, this dude, he's hard. He's big. Like, like you know, you just don't want to see him in the wrong place, right? And, and uh, I'm getting a haircut, and I say, hey, hey, uh, one second. I didn't even really know his name that well. I said, hey, um, sometimes I hear from the Lord. You know, I, again, you, don't, you ain't got to get crazy with it. Don't be thus saying the Lord, people. Like, I, just simple, man. Just make it real so they can hear it. I say, sometimes I hear from the Lord. And, and uh, I'm just hearing right now for you that he's called you to be a leader for him. He looks at me. You know, you know how some people look at you like, you got that wrong, right? <laughs> Go back. He looks at me like that, gives me that cockeyed look. And I'm like, oh, okay, I missed it, you know. But when he walks out, I'll hear later his testimony. He says, I cried like a baby. Wow. I cried like a baby. Still the same guy that I talked to on Fridays and we discipling and encouraging because why? Because God's called him to be a leader. How did it happen? Because I stopped looking at people's exterior and I started believing the potential. If God could see something inside of this guy right here, then he can see something in somebody else. And when I began to believe that and speak that and step out, what happened is our church began to actually grow. That hundred number, that hundred number that I struggled with, right? That, that wasn't, it's not even on the radar right now. It's crazy. We still, COVID, we still ain't on the radar for us, right? And, and, and here's the beautiful thing. It wasn't a bunch of just church people. Like, I, we were bringing in bar people, right? Play, we're like, we need a bass player. Come on. And Jesus loves that. I, I, I wanted to do a sermon called Jesus People, but Will told, took that from me. So, uh, but, but, but the Lord began to speak to me about a true Jesus people. And see, there's, a, there's going to be a dichotomy. There's a shakening right now in the earth. There's going to be, there's going to be a breaking and, 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 a, and, a, and a moving of the goats and the sheep. There's going to be a split down the middle between those that are called and burning and those that are playing church. I know I'm not at the playing church, so we're just going to, y'all just amen because this is for you. But I may mention some things that today in my sermon, I haven't even got to the sermon yet. Oh no. But I want to mention some things, clear things that I think are the Jesus people, the burning ones, in comparison to the ones that are going to be left behind when God moves on this earth. And I think it comes from a beautiful passage in Luke, the seventh chapter. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to show you how to speed up a sermon. I'm just going to tell you the story. I'm going to give you all the preaching tricks today. I do that when I preach too as well. It's so good. It's for real. Tell a lot of jokes. So uh, in Luke, the seventh chapter, there's a, there's a Pharisee named Simon that's going to invite Jesus over to eat with him. Now, you may not get the cultural context of this, but this is like a WWE SmackDown event right now. Like, like they're like, is Jesus the rock? Can I smell what Jesus is cooking right there? Like, that's the event that's going on. Because what's going to happen is there's going to be a community of men there 
that are allowed to watch, and Simon is going to, he's going to question the new upstart rabbi. I, I want to see your doctrine. I want to see what you really believe. They're saying that miracles are coming from you. They say you're a prophet. Let me question and see if you really know the law of Moses. And so Jesus is invited to this house of Simon, and they're sitting down, laying down, probably eating, and the community is probably around watching this event happen because they didn't have movie theaters. They didn't have, I mean, this was the thing to do. Watch two rabbis go at it. Before the event can start off, a woman barges in. When this woman barges in, you can hear an audible gasp in the room. What's she doing here? And not only does she just barge in, but she immediately falls at the feet of Jesus. She notices his feet aren't dirty. I don't think she had like a a literal plan of like, let me wash his feet, but she just was sobbing and crying. I don't know if you've ever been at that moment where you're so touched by Savior, you can't even control it anymore. Reminds me of that movie Gladiator. I don't know if you've ever seen it where he pulls away from his son and there's like a snot just like, I just see that happening. It's not the, it's not the movie where just a tear comes out and it's like, oh, oh, Jesus, right? It's like, it's messy. She didn't have a plan. And then she's going to, she's going to do something that's like, you, you may not get it. She lets down her hair because we got hair everywhere nowadays. Like we just, hair, right? But in Jewish culture, they wrote that a woman should only let down her hair when she's alone with her husband. And so this is now provocative. This is, this is wrong. This, you, you, I, I, what, and Simon, even within himself, he doesn't say it out loud. He's one of those passive aggressive. He's just thinking the thoughts. If this man were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman is touching him. It's not provocative for her. She's just in the moment. She's just caught up. She's enraptured with the love of the Savior. See, in this in this moment, Simon said, what is, what? And Jesus, of course, being the ultimate prophet, knows Simon's thoughts. He says, Simon, I've got to ask you something. There was, a, there was a money shark that lent out some money, one five hundred and one fifty. They both couldn't pay him back. Who would love him more? Simon, knowing he's getting spoken down to, he, he says, I suppose it's the one with the larger debt. And then he begins to tell how the woman... Washed his feet. He didn't put any, he didn't even care about me. He didn't put a water basin. The bare minimum, bare minimum in our culture, you put a water. It's like uh, I got four kids, four small kids. It's like if I invited you over and I did not clean the half bathroom, like I definitely don't like you. What's going on? <laughs> Some of y'all ain't got kids. All the single people are like, what's he talking about? All right, <laughs> you wait. Your time's coming. <laughs> My body draining help, Jesus. Right? Their culture. It was put out the water basin. He says, you you didn't greet me with a kiss. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put out any oil so I could anoint my head. See, this woman who's been forgiven much, loves much. And this will be the dichotomy of the church. There will be a group that, like Simon, watches people that come in are people on the streets and they make judgments not seeing the value, not understanding the calling of the ministry.
ministry of reconciliation. I thought it was better than that, but... See, it's in this place that I want to, I want to kind of symbolic three points because I want to honor my wife. Uh, three points on what I see this woman doing that Simon does not. And the first, the first I see there is the kissing of the feet, a representation of intimacy. I, I want you to hear me, my friends, because I know we have a large crowd today. And I know there's many people that you live off the intimacy of the leadership here. What do I mean by that? I, I mean this, that your experience with God is really based upon William's experience with God. And you haven't taken the time to kiss Jesus' feet yourself. Now, I know that's not everybody. But I want to encourage you because my, the, the start of God working in my life is when I said in 2016, I need to get alone with you. I need to miss some meals for you. I need to ache for you. And it's in that place of natural hunger that I had spiritual hunger. And he fills the hungry. And, and so I, I need you to see that that intimacy is so important. That you get alone with Jesus. Uh, uh, it's in the intimate places with God that you're, you, you get pregnant with his vision. Oh, no, he didn't say that. My God. Right, and, and here's what I'm talking about, really. It's, it's this place that, like, I got intimate with my wife. Yeah, I'm going there. And when I got intimate with my wife, it was amazing. It's still amazing. But there's also this beautiful birthing of four children that I have. And they're all unique, and, and, and it's awesome. And what I've found is when I've gotten intimate with Jesus, is that He begins to blow upon my life his wisdom and revelation. And, and it's crazy because I'm not that smart. But he'll give me ideas and dreams. And he'll be like, I want you to do this. And you're like, Jesus, that's, that's awesome. But it only came in the secret place. All right, so we're we going to give you Jesus shirts. Hope, uh, and if you don't get a Jesus shirt, walk in love and let your neighbor get one. I only brought 200. But, but this Jesus thing, okay? Where this came from, the world would call dumb luck. It'd say, dude, he was Mr. Magoo. He fell into it. But this is what happened. I simply followed after Jesus. And then he said, hey, why don't you, why don't you just put my name in a circle around it? And I was like, oh, all right, Jesus, I guess we can do that, right? And then he's like, why don't you make some magnets, stick it on. I want you to put on T-shirts. And what's crazy is it like... It blew up. Now, there's a thing in Galveston called Saltwater Soul. You may have heard of it up here. And I would always look at that with my wife and say, that's crazy. That's amazing. Like, they got their own brand. It's just some chums out of the back of their garage. Like, how are they doing that? And then we got this idea for Jesus. And we began to, like, we give away the T-shirts because Jesus actually literally pays the bill. Another testimony. But, but we began to give away T-shirts and Jesus magnets. And... We also coupled with it the vision that God gave me that you were called to look like him. If you take a t-shirt home, make sure you tip your waiter. Don't be rolling up in here and not tipping the waiter. So, so beautiful now that we got this like Jesus thing rolling everywhere. Like, 
other churches. They'll have baptism pictures. Somebody in there's got a Jesus shirt on because it's just Jesus. It's not a it's not a church thing. It's not it's not a it's not a ministry thing. It's just Him, and it's crazy. And I mean, you're like, there's those Jesus people running around. Watch out, they're gonna pray for you if you get around long enough, right? Where did that come from? Intimacy. I'm not smart enough to have a brand idea like that. I'm not. I'm not. I struggled five years as a pastor. Struggled. But yet Jesus blows on an idea and it becomes something. Intimacy. Intimacy. You've got to spend time alone with Him. And, and I'm not going to talk to you about hearing the voice of God, a whole other series. But I'll say this. You have to be disciplined about that devotion. See, when I first started dating my wife, there were feelings. And we were like, oh, we're alive. We're alive. Oh, you're amazing. And then we get married and that, that feeling goes away, right? And you're like, changing diapers. Oh, Jesus. But you start to get the discipleship of cultivating a marriage. And I'm married 12 years to my best friend. Why is that? Because I didn't live off a feeling. I lived off a belief. That is good, isn't it? I'm going to listen to this later and amen myself, right? So the discipline of devotion, getting up and spending daily time with him. You may come off one of those times you're like, oh, I did not. There was no, there was no shaka right there. I did not get a shaka. I was more like a coffee, a coffee, right? But you do it over and over and over and over, and then he'll, there'll be one time where he drops something crazy in you. And then there'll be another time where somebody will confirm something for you. And there'll be another time where you get a dream. And then be another time where somebody puts a check in the mail. And you'll be like, Jesus, this is amazing. I'm loving this, right? See, because when you begin to seek him, your destiny is found in him. And he begins to reveal the keys of that destiny. And so you get, you get to a place where you're addicted. You're like, i got to seek you more. And you get, you're like, I'm going back in. I'm going back in. And it's... It's this love relationship with Jesus. And my friends, that will be one of the defining points of those that walk in the ministry of reconciliation and those that fall off. Those that talk about God instead of talk to Him. I got two more points, but I'm blanking right now. That's crazy. And normally I don't tell my church that. I just keep talking until I find the second point. So, second thing I want to mention to you is service. Service. Notice she's doing something to his feet. Washing them. Why is this important to me? What I've found in my life is when I got rid of myself and I stopped waiting for some big break to happen and I simply served where the opportunity was available, God was able to use that heart to then create moments for me later. So let's look at somebody in the New Testament. His name's Stephen. Stephen is just like a deacon. Like if we put it in, and that's kind of a religious language term. If I were to put it in kind of our terms, he's actually the waiter. He's one of the waiters they choose for the church. Like he waits the table for widows. And they're like, let's find some honorable men. Let's find some faithful men who can just serve. And I, I love Stephen's heart because... It's not a heart like, I don't know if you've ever been around those people like serving. They're like, hey, look, I'm serving. I'm getting it done, right? Come on, give me my promotion, right? I served last week. I should get, come on. You're going to let me preach? Come on, right? 
He just serves. And then there's an opportunity that opens up. And then he begins to preach. And what's crazy is this waiter, when he preaches, it's amazing because you get the end of his, he does an Old Testament survey in Acts 9 where he just talks about everything. Then he talks about Jesus. And it says right at the end of it that they were cut at the heart when they heard what he was saying. The gifting, the calling was always there for Stephen to preach. He didn't seek it out. He simply served. And he gets to be the first martyr of the church. Jesus stood up for Stephen. He says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And Jesus is seated in Ephesians. But yet for Stephen, he said, I'm going to stand up for this boy. And you could tell it's not about him. Well, why is that? How do you know, Pastor? How do you know when he was serving that it wasn't about him? Because he got his opportunity, Pastor. And I ain't got my opportunity. Well, I'll tell you how I know. Because when the stones were thrown, he doesn't have the mindset of Abel. Y'all know the mindset of Abel? Y'all know about Cain and Abel? Right? Cain and Abel. And Abel dies. And the Father, God says, Abel's blood cries out for the, from the ground for judgment. And yet, Stephen's blood, when it's poured out, he doesn't say, give them judgment. He says, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this again. Oh, man. Why why is that crazy? Because he got the ministry of reconciliation. See, I can't can't do, uh, I can't fix it. Maybe you were touched wrong. I, I can't fix that. But I understand this, that if you could get a revelation of who God could be in them, that they just don't know who they are, then you can be set free. And, and it's in this place that, that it's what, what Hebrews says, the, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word, that mercy triumphs over judgment. And my friends, in this last days, with the shaking and going on, God is looking for a people that says, I don't care what happens to me. I don't, I'm not looking for credit. I just want to serve wherever. You want to put me in the parking lot? I'm going to serve. You want, you want to put me back with the kids? I'm going to serve. I don't care what's going on. I just am going to... Well, what? They're not going to notice you. They won't see your gift. It doesn't matter. When you get at the end of the day, is Jesus going to stand for you? So he's going to look at you and say, man... You told some good jo- jokes in that sermon. That was, uh, that was funny. Right? And it's that person that continually serves and serves and serves. And what is she doing? She's just washing her feet. And Jesus says, the greatest of you shall be the least in the kingdom. I love that. You say, Pastor, why do you love that? Because I can be great in the kingdom and I don't have to be a rocket scientist. Some of y'all should like that too. I ain't got to have it all together. I ain't got to be tall. Praise God. (laughs) To the world, I can be an idiot. But God says, I can be great in the kingdom if I can just serve. And you don't wait for a big break. A lot of people, uh, I'm a pastor, so I, I get to hear a lot of people's dreams. I feel part of my destiny is connecting others with their destiny. And when I hear people's dreams and what God has spoken over them, many of them will say, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. And see, the problem is that waiting on the Lord is more the idea of a waiter. 
And what I have seen, I've been pastoring now 10 years, there is a group of believers that keep waiting on the Lord and they wait until they die. And then there's another group of believers that say, I'm just going to continue to serve and serve and serve. And God makes a way for them. That's what I've seen. That's the, that's the, that's the only, I, I could go anecdotally about, about all of that, but that's what I have seen as a pastor. The, the last thing that I want to give to you, man, I am blanking on my points. I should have wrote them down. I normally don't preach with notes or anything, and I don't have a pulpit, and this is new. What time is it, though? Am I good? Praise God. You know, when I preached at the nest, I looked over at Will every time. I was like, am I good? Because I got another story. And he'd be like, go on, dude. Go on. I was like, yeah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, Last thing that I want to speak to you is the oil. Now, I know the oil can represent the Holy Spirit, but I think in this passage, I think in this passage, it represents more the valuable thing to you. Are you willing to lay down the costly? Now, this is one of those that it's a continually bringing up It's a continually, is this above God? And I'm looking at church people today, so I understand we all logically get that nothing is above God, right? We all logically get that. But there's a difference between logically getting it and living a life that says that. And what I found in my own life is that when I offer God the costly, He shows up in crazy ways in my life. It's going to get quiet because they think he's going to talk about money now. (laughs) But let's start first with Abraham and his costly. See, Abraham is going to be approached by God after he's already got the promise and the destiny. And God says, offer your son, Isaac, your only son. That's interesting he calls him his only son because he... Had another son, but God only saw Isaac, the promise as the son. Offer your son, your only son, on the altar that I'll show you. Y'all know this story, right? He goes out and says early the next morning he leaves like he's obedient to this. And he offers his, his son, Isaac, on the altar. Now, this blows my mind. Why, why do you say it blows your mind? Because this is the promise. This is what you waited for, Abraham. Like, like you're just going to offer it? You're just going to put it down? Like it's, it's not that big a deal? But see, I didn't quite get that Abraham had this crazy rationale going on in his mind. Y'all, y'all know what reason is? Two plus two equals? Sometimes I'll get people and I'll say that and they'll be like, eight! Right? I'm like, what math did you go through? Right? Four. Well, it's interesting because the writer of Hebrews says that Abraham reasoned within himself. He had a reasoning within himself that if he offered his his son Isaac on on the altar, that God, even God, was able to raise him from the dead. Where does he get that reasoning? Where does he get that perspective? I love that you would ask me that question. In John the 8th chapter, Jesus says this, Abraham saw my day and he was glad. See, what had happened... It's through intimacy with God. He saw out the many years of when Jesus would be offered as the sacrifice 
for all of humanity. And because of his worship and devotion, he, he got a revelation of it. And it now impacted his heart in such a way that he reflected the image. Oh no, you're not getting it. So here's the thing, that when you worship God with the costly, with the things that you say, no, I'm not sure if that's on limit. When you give that to Him, what happens in your heart is there's a transformation. You start to become the image, what you were created to be. My friends, you were called to look like Jesus. Anything less than that, you'll miss the boat. You'll miss the point. But when you live your life in such a way of worship, you'll be able to see out and say, you know what, I can offer that. That's not that big. I thought it was a big deal, but it's not a big deal anymore. And you put it on the altar. Like, I'm a person that I'm literally trying to outgive God. Last year, I, I literally tried to outgive God. And I know you laugh. You're like, ha, 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 right? I'm serious. And I couldn't do it. I'm in the middle of COVID, right? And like everybody's like, oh, no, help. Churches, uh, we're going to struggle. And, and I'm seeking the Lord, intimacy with, with God. And I said, God, what are we going to do? Like, you know, like the Lord was surprised about this. You know, you're like, hey, Jesus. <laughs> he speaks to me out of Isaiah. He says, a generous person plans generous things. And by their generosity, they're established. I was like, oh, whoa, okay. So I called the board up. I said, I said, we want to, I, I really feel like the Lord's telling us to be generous. We're going to give 10 times to our missionaries. Like we just blew open the budget. Like, like my, my grandfather's even like, remember now money's got to come in before it goes out, right? It's just, it doesn't make sense. But God told me, he spoke to me, a generous person plans generous things. By their generosity, they're established. Even with my, me and my wife, because it's not just a church thing. I have my own personal finances. I said, baby, baby we got to find somebody to give to. we gotta, we got to make an offering. we got to give of the precious. Why is that? Because he has my heart. And I ain't broke. I ain't going to tell you how blessed I am, because I don't want you to be jealous. But I ain't broke. I should be, but I'm not. Because I offer him the precious. She came, the woman... The sinful woman, she came, she poured out the precious perfume. Why is that? Because she saw a Jesus who had forgiven her so much. We are in the last of the last days. If I could give anything to this church right now, I, you know, I prayed and I, I said, Lord, because I got some good sermons. Like I could, we could have you up on a feet, right? Like I could, I think I could do that. I don't know, Jesus, sometimes. But I did ask the Lord, what do you want to give your people? And I felt like he spoke specifically saying this. There's going to be a falling away in the church. And the reason they fall away is not because they don't know how to sing. It's not because the services aren't long enough. Hear me. The reason they fall away is because they haven't understood the ministry of reconciliation. Get that. Because I don't want you to... I love worship here. And it's amazing. But I don't want you to get to a place where you think... 
Well, we ain't religious because we went three hours in our service. But yet stiff your waiter when you leave this place. Let this be an extension of what God's doing out there. Let when I come back, I see some riffraff, some people that don't look churched up in this place. That'd be amazing. You come to my church, you'll see the bass player. You'll be like, whoa, you're right, you're right. I hope she doesn't mind, Tina. You know I love you. Let God move in your heart. It was in this place that God has worked crazy in my life. We're at, we do three services now on a Sunday. We're going downtown. We have a second campus. It's crazy. And the numbers are cool and everything, but... It, to me, it's about grabbing some Galvestonians off the beach and telling them about a man that changed my life. So I just want to encourage you with that today. Go reconcile somebody. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the message today encouraged and equipped you for what Jesus has for you today. If you'd like more information on what we're up to or how to connect with us and to see upcoming events that we have at the church, you can visit risennation.org. We bless you. Grace and peace to you today.